Hey, this is Abby Sachek. Welcome to the New Culture Church podcast. Our vision is to create the culture of Christ in Madison, one person, one place at a time. We believe this happens through being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what he did. And we hope that the teachings and the content you find here will help you do just that. We also know that these are trying times, so if you need anything at all, please reach out to us through our website. We would love to connect with you. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And really just remind like our hearts and our whole selves of the vision that God has given us as a church. And also we always do this after a season of weeks and weeks of prayer, where we've been praying that wall is lots of prayer requests over the past few weeks from our prayer and worship nights. We've taken the past few weeks to fast as well. And at the end of all that, we usually have a Sunday that's set aside to just hear from the Lord and respond and say, okay, what's the vision that we feel like he's giving us for this next season as a church? And so we're going to do that today, but we're going to actually start by reading uh, the scripture in Matthew that is actually where the name of our church, New Culture, came from. Uh, so if you're new around here, you might not know that. But even if you've been here since the beginning, we probably don't talk about it enough. So you might not know, like, where did that name come from? Well, it came from this passage, and we're going to read here today in Matthew chapter 7, 24. It says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Let's pray again today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this word that you have given us, this word that we get to read. We thank you today that we get to hear directly from you. And I just pray that during these next few moments that your Holy Spirit would speak through every word that comes out of my mouth. Um, Lord, would it be your voice that is heard? And would you give us hearts ready to receive that and respond in the ways that you are inviting us to? We ask this in your precious name. Amen. So this verse, when we were all sitting around, it was probably three and a half years ago, there was a small group of us, and we're talking about what are we going to call this church? Started out with this idea, it started out with this prayer of saying, are we going to do this thing? And, and someone came in, and it wasn't me, but somebody else on the team was like, how about new culture? And when I say they said, how about the name, they also had like a whole presentation of the logo already done, and everything was like, what about new culture? And I was like, absolutely not. I was like, that is a weird name. It's way too trendy. It's not going to hold up. Like, no, we're not calling a church new culture. And also, like, it shortens to, like, new cult. And that gets a little iffy. And so there was a couple of reasons. I was like, absolutely not. And he's like, well, listen to these verses. And we started to read these verses and to meditate on this and, and to hear what, what Jesus is saying here. And, and, and these verses began to shape then the direction of our church and this name, New Culture. Because what we see is that with the life of Jesus is that he came here in a time where people were religious, where people knew God, where people were praying, but in everything that he did, he created a new way of life. He created this whole new idea of what it looks like to follow God and have a relationship with God because he was the way, the truth, and the life. And in culture, it's all about these patterns, these customs, beliefs, things that we pass down for generations to come. And so we look at saying, what would it look like if in our city and wherever we go after this, we learn to model our lives based off of the patterns of Jesus, the life that Jesus lived. And then we too were able to walk into spaces knowing that we have built our lives on him as a firm foundation. And we're going to put those things into practice. Because what this scripture talks about.
talking about here in Matthew 7, it's talking about that everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And there's a couple things in this passage, but the first is acknowledging that there's going to be a lot of people that hear about Jesus. And there is a lot of people that have heard about Jesus. But what does it look like for us to not just be people that hear that and and acknowledge that that God might exist and he might be there somewhere, but people that put his words, the words, the life of Jesus into practice. And so from day one until today, our vision for this church has been to create the culture of Christ. And we since then started to use language of saying we're going to do that one person, one place at a time. And we want in everything we do to continue to build our church on Jesus, our firm foundation. The other thing that you see here is when it acknowledges the sand, which we've talked about in this past, we talk about how, how the thing about sand is that it's like broken up pieces, right, of, of cement or of glass or of things that maybe at one point were for a foundation. And, and how often in our lives do we find ourselves in places where we too are, are, are just building our lives and our foundation on just pieces of truth. So maybe it's not completely false, it's not completely the wrong thing, but it's just this broken little piece, it's not the whole thing. And we don't want to do that with our lives. We don't want to build our lives on just pieces of who Jesus is. We want all of him. We want to build our lives on all of him as our firm foundation. So we're going to talk now about what is this kind of next season that we feel like the Lord is inviting us into. But before we get there, I, I, want, to, I want to just kind of mention this. Because I think sometimes when we talk about this idea that of us doing things and being like Jesus, we can often forget about the 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 starting point of just being with Jesus first. And we have kind of said the next phase for us to say, how do we create the culture of Christ? We do that through being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, so that we can do what he did. That's always going to start from this place of just being with Jesus. And I was thinking of different people in my life, of like, who have I seen do this really well? And there was one man that came to mind, and he actually just a few weeks ago, um, I saw on Facebook that he passed away, and his wife and people were posting all of these stories of him. And I knew him, he was a man that I grew up with in church. And I can remember being really little, he would be the first one up. I grew up in a church where they did a lot of altar calls, so they would, almost every service, people would be running down to the front, on their knees, and, and he would always be like the first one down and the loudest one down. Like you would sing, hear him screaming hallelujah from like the other side of the building. And it was like no matter what the altar call was about, like he was on his knees there. And he was sometimes like, are you sure you're responding to that one? And there he was, like all the time. And then when I was 16, I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip with him to Haiti. And it was kind of a funny trip because for whatever reason, I had decided that I really wanted to go to Haiti at like 12 years old. And I just like blabbed it all over the place. I was like, I want to go to Haiti. I want to go to Haiti. And so I got to go on this construction trip with our church. So I was 16. It was all men doing construction work. And then my, me and my mom. So we get dropped off at the orphanage downstairs, and all the men would go upstairs to build. They were building these classrooms. And I remember him every day. I would just hear him singing, like, in the heat, and they're dripping sweat, and he would just be singing and worshiping all day long. And then the other thing that I saw when I was with him in that week, and I don't know if you've ever traveled with a group of people before in any context, whether it's a missions trip or a work trip or anything, but, but you can, like, see people in one setting, but then you see a whole other side of them when you, like, are waking up or see them in the morning. Like, do they drink coffee? Do they need coffee? And you don't want to see them before their coffee. Like, who are these types of people? And what I saw, and I'll never forget, on our way to breakfast, almost every morning, he would beat everybody up, and he would be on the ocean praying. It was like 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m. every single day this man woke up and spent time with Jesus. 
every single day. And he could tell you how many days he had been doing it. And at that point, I remember it had been like hundreds and hundreds. But he's like, this is how many days that I have woken up at this time every single day to spend time with Jesus. And so I went and up close with him. But then later, as I moved away and I went off to Bible college and then after graduating with here, um, I saw that for him, he showed me a lot up close of that mornings don't have to be the worst thing. Maybe they could be a beautiful thing and a beautiful time to get up and spend with Jesus. But then I saw him not only fall in love with being with Jesus, but also just so naturally live a life that looked like Jesus. There was times in my family's life growing up that I can remember us being in need and having financial need, and there'd be a knock at the door from this man saying, oh, God just told me to give your family some money today. He was that kind of person that was like so in tune with what the Holy Spirit was doing and ready to respond even if he didn't know or understand fully what he was responding to. He was one of the first people that financially gave to me when I moved here and started raising support to, to do college ministry and, and to start this church. He was one of the first people to give. And, and I see that, that life, and now when you see these moments that other people are talking about of, of how they saw him live and how they saw him draw people to Jesus. And I think that that's the kind of life I want to live, where I didn't know this man super well, but even at a young age, I watched him and I saw Jesus in him. I saw something in him that made me want to spend time with Jesus. And still to this day, I'm going to be honest, I don't have a desire to wake up at 4 a.m. and just spend hours with Jesus. I want to spend hours in bed. And I'm like, I want to get to that point where 4 a.m. is the most exciting point of my day because I just love Jesus that much. If culture is all about patterns, customs, and beliefs that are going to be passed down, we have to constantly be thinking, are we creating the culture of Christ with the way we speak, with the things we do? Are the people watching us being drawn into that? So, if we're creating the culture of Christ, it is going to be an active thing. The last thing that I want to talk about before we kind of dig in is, I was thinking a lot because, you know, we have a couple a couple babies in our church. And uh, the thing that I love about babies is when you have a baby in the newborn stage, there's kind of like maybe the, a, couple, a couple days where it's like, oh, this is so great. So awesome, like they're just sleeping. And the next thing you know, like they're fussy and they're crying and they're not sleeping through the night, and then maybe you get another week where you're like, okay, this isn't so bad. This isn't so bad. And, and, and then next thing you know, it's like right the toddlers where, where you're starting to maybe they're doing some cool things, and you're like, oh, like my kid's kind of cool, like this is fun. And then it might be another bad day, and you're like, what did we get ourselves into? And it's this this ebb flow of like all these different moments. But hopefully, if you're a parent in the room and somebody were to ask you, you probably don't love your kid any less, whether they're sleeping in your arms, or they're crying through the night, or they're saying something really cute, or they had another meltdown when it makes no sense why they had a meltdown. You just love your kid. And that's the kind of way that our Heavenly Father loves us, is when we are doing absolutely nothing but just sitting still, He loves us. When we're saying really cool stuff and doing really cool things, He loves us. When we're having a meltdown, he might be saying, okay, what are you doing right now with your life? Get back up. But he loves us. And that doesn't change whether we're being or we're doing that love that the Father has for us is the same. And so as we're kind of going into this next season, what we felt as a church staff and team as we've been praying about God, like, what are you inviting us into? We feel like the now what, our next step, is to create a shared rule of life as a church. A shared rule of life. 
So this might be familiar language for some of you. Uh, this is not an uncommon thing for church traditions. Uh, but a rule of life is simply just a set of rhythms and practices that help us create space to be with Jesus so we can become more like him and just naturally do what he did. And so all throughout scripture you see Jesus, he, he has moments where he goes and he prays. He has moments where he's teaching his disciples to pray. We see that Jesus fasts and all of these different things are these spiritual practices. These spiritual disciplines are another way that it's put where he is constantly spending time with the Father. So Jesus, we see that he was constantly in this process of doing all these practices, inviting people into that. That was the culture that we see. And, and so this idea of a rule of life, at first it might sound like, hey, is that something that's like going to be super legalistic, super rigid, super all of that. We're going to walk through it together. Um, because every church tradition, at some point, they do have some sort of rule of life some sort of set practices or rhythms that you do, right? Maybe like for us up until this point, it's on Sunday and we gather together. Um, during the week, we're in small groups and we pray together. We have these things that we do. So this word ruled out at but first, it might strike you as this strict or this kind of binding thing, but the Latin word for rule translates back to the word trellis, like used in a vineyard. So in the same way that a vine needs a trellis, to help it grow upwards, we too need a rule of life, something that is going to be stable, that we continue to fall back on, so that when we're planting seeds and when we're doing these spiritual practices, we are growing closer to Jesus and in the right direction. This trellis is also something that protects as is the seeds that are planted, and this really comes from this idea in John chapter 15. So I'm going to read in John chapter 15, Verse 5, it says this. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So we see the end of this. The goal is, is to give God glory, to show ourselves that we are disciples of him. We are people that, that are being transformed in his likeness and his image. And so again, a rule of life is not so much the strict list of rules that we have together, but it's more so like this trellis, something that we are setting aside, and even that firm foundation we're building on so like the verses we read earlier say when the storm comes, right, when the wind blows, when we have something that we are standing firm upon. It's something that's going to help everything that's planted grow in the right direction. So there's some resources at the end of the day that I'm going to give you, and one of them is this book by this man, Rich Lotus, that he wrote called The Deeply Formed Life. And he talks about a rule of life in this book as well. And in this, he, I recently heard him speak to a cohort of pastors that I'm in, and he walked us through even this verse. And, and the word there for remain is translated back to the word meno, M-E-N-O. And here's some different definitions for this word that I think is really, really helps us get an understanding for this scripture. This word can be translated to mean to dwell, to abide, to remain, to stay, to continue to be present, to continue in relationship, to tolerate, to endure, 
to wait, to accept, to suffer for, to submit to, to act in accord with, to be faithful to. Okay, so it starts with to dwell, to abide, to remain, to stay, to continue to be present, and continue to be in relationship. So you see that one word, and if you just read it in those translations, it's like, okay, like, if you think of like this abiding and this just like be, staying present with someone, you think a lot of it is going to be more of those practices of praying, those practices of, of meditating on scripture, those practices of silence and solitude. But then you, you see on the, on the flip side that it goes in it, that it can also mean to endure, to wait, to suffer for, to submit to, to act in accordance with, to be faithful to. Those things are, are, bring a little bit of a different meaning than to the work. Which, which shows us that, that, that maybe some of the ways that we have to remain is going to be doing things like we did with, with fasting, where we're starving our flesh and we're filling our spirit. Maybe it's going to be things like giving generously, like we even have small opportunities that we try to do to practice that, that gift of just dying to our flesh and dying to control of our earthly possessions. And, and there, it shows us that, that this idea of remaining and being with Jesus it might not always be the most peaceful thing in the world. When you think of suffering, it, it doesn't quite, quite seem the same as just being present with or being present to. So this word has a whole lot of meanings when we're saying we're going to remain with Jesus, we're going to abide with Jesus, we're going to be faithful to Jesus. So as we break, break down of what is this going to look like for us to kind of submit to the shared rule of life, these sets of practices, I again want to emphasize what a rule of life is not. Um, it should not be legalistic. It should not be rigid. It shouldn't be selfish. It shouldn't be the avoidance of struggle. Um, I think you even see Jesus at times when he was praying and his disciples would interrupt him or sometimes he was on his journey where he had a purpose and he was interrupted. I think that's a great example of us of saying we might come up with an incredible rule of life and this is how we're going to live. But there might still be interruptions, and Jesus even modeled that really well, of, of how are we not rigid with the things that we set in place. Um, and, and also, again, I think pointing to in the gospel that we read in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus is fasting and he's being tempted. So he's practicing a spiritual discipline, spiritual practice, something that's supposed to draw him close to God while being tempted. So we know like it did draw him close to God, but there was also some struggle in there. So it's not the avoidance of struggle either. Uh, Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And, all, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, we're all called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now, we did a series of Colossians in the fall, and, and we taught on this passage, but it was kind of bringing back to my mind as I was preparing for today. Of this kind of scripture where you see it, there's like kind of a call to action of saying put on all of these things, right? Clothe yourself in humility, in kindness, in gentleness. So there's this call to action. But then in verse 15 it says, and then let 
the peace of Christ rule over you, which is almost like this idea of you have to then allow Christ to do his thing, right? We then have to surrender the control and realize it's all him. And I think that's a great way for us to think about spiritual practices and disciplines is realizing that it's not an A plus B equals, you know, fill in the blank. It's not a, oh, because I pray every day, then all of this is going to happen in my life. But it's saying, okay, we're going to do our part, and we're going to pray, and we're going to seek the Lord, and we're going to follow these different rhythms and practices. But at the end of the day, fully surrender and say, Jesus, it's all about you and what you want to do on your timeline. And so this isn't us trying to control an outcome, but rather just surrendering to what he is going to do. I'm going to ask Nathan if you would start and just come, just play in the background as we kind of wrap up here. But I want to talk about why should we do this? Why should we submit to this shared rule of life? So when we walk into this room on Sundays, we have all different places that we're coming from, all different backgrounds and life stories that we're representing. And even right now at this stage of a church of being three years in, we don't have like this membership class or what it looks like to be a member. But what we feel like the Lord's asking us to step into is saying that if we're here and we're a part of this community, that we're going to continue to pursue being in small group communities. We're going to continue to pursue contributing and serving and doing those things, but also have this shared rule of life so that when we are in our small group communities during the week, we know that we are all committed to doing these practices and doing these things so that we can have more shared conversation and knowing that if we're a part of new culture, if I'm a part of this church and creating a culture of Christ, I'm committed to trying my best to practice the way of Jesus every single day. And so here's kind of our shared rule of life. And we have these printed out for everyone. So as you walk out today, uh, we'll give them to you. And I'm going to walk through what we about like the Lord has invited us into as a church. We want to invite you to join us in um, the shared rule of life. And it's really simple. It's saying start your day in prayer and scripture. Would we be people that are committed to starting our day in prayer and scripture? To just make space to just be with God. This could be five minutes. It could be 50 minutes. We wrote that down there. Like just saying it's not about the time. It's not about checking out the box. It's about having a moment that you're going to create in your schedule that you're going to say, okay, I'm going to wake up, preferably before you look at your phone, and you're just going to be with God. Or now, if you're like me, before you do Wordle, because four days ago I started. I said I wouldn't do it, and I started. So before you get into whatever you do on your phone right away in the morning, that you're just going to say, God, here I am. This day is yours. And a good thing to start with is the Lord's Prayer. You know, of, of walking through there and saying, Lord, God, give us a day or daily bread. Um, the next is to find ways to take breaks throughout the day. Um, some of the practical things that I've established in my life is I have certain drives. I'll look at my schedule and I'm saying, okay, I'm driving in silence. No music, no podcast. That's a drive where I'm just going to talk to Jesus. Or I'm just going to listen and say, God, you know, where are you in these moments? So to find ways to just pause throughout your day and check in with God. I think sometimes it's easy for us to write, read something in the morning, just check something off the list, and then we don't even think about the Lord till the end of the day. And But to start to say, hey, we're in a relationship with Jesus, and we're committed to this process of becoming like him, then we're going to need to spend a whole lot of time with him. And so how do we incorporate him in the everyday moments of our lives? So think about, do you have a lunch break? Think about, do you have a walk to class?
do that? Can you, what did that look like? And then the end of the day, an examine and gratitude. To just recap your time with God. And again, this could be five minutes or it could be 50 minutes, depending on your schedule, depending on your stage of life. And then we have some weekly and monthly practices that we want to start to invite you into. And again, this is, remember, this is kind of like our big vision casting moment. So don't think like, I know I have to do this all tomorrow, right? This is going to be a process where we have been praying and planning for the next year as a church to walk through these and to continue to learn these. Uh, so if you're like, I've never heard of any of this and you're freaking out, it's okay. We'll, we'll get there. Um, but to keep the Sabbath, to aim for having a 24-hour period, and if you cannot do that, have just a chunk, a few-hour chunk in your in your week that you can just spend with God. Um, fasting, which we just did as a church, uh, to find a weekly or a monthly time where you are abstaining from food and you're starving your flesh so you can fill your spirit. To worship together on Sundays. You know, we talked a lot about how right now statistically committed people attend church once a month. And we want to break that mold. We want to say, how do we continue to gather together and see value in gathering together in worship? To devote yourself to community. To be devoted to a smaller uh, group of people that you can really start to live as the body of Christ and as how we're created to live together. And then to contribute, which we always talk about means to add value. So contribute to your community. What a spiritual practice of continuing to serve and to give. And then finally, to seek renewal for our city. That we will constantly be pursuing ways we can seek renewal for our city. Whether that's being committed to our prayer campaign, which is praying for every single neighborhood and doing prayer walks in our city over every single neighborhood, or if it is continuing when we have donation drives or volunteer opportunities, or in your own, outside of anything we do, ask the Lord or their organizations or places here in Madison I can serve and I can get involved. What are those things that God has put on your heart that maybe nobody else in this room is thinking about? There's a reason for that, but we want to see renewal for our city. So when it comes to how do I develop this and where do I start, I have a few things I want to run through. And first is um, start small. Start small, okay? Again, don't, don't look at this and say, I'm going to do it tomorrow, but say, okay, where am I in this process? Do I have time set aside in my week where I'm spending time with God? How about in my days, right? So if you're someone where maybe you've never prayed every day or spent time reading the Bible every day, I would say start there. Start with creating space. Um, I'm a, so, I believe, so passionately that like God's presence is in the preparation and the planning so you're not just, you might not ever wake up naturally just like longing to read your Bible. You might have to start by saying, okay, where in my day can I take 15 minutes? Can I take five minutes? Can I just play the Bible, the Bible app? You can play it. You can just listen to the Word of God. You don't even have to sit there and read. It just talks to you. But it starts small. But where are you at in this process? Next is to be specific. So don't just say, okay, I want to do this. But, but again, look at your schedule. Where can this happen? Um, who do I need to involve in, in this, right? So obviously, if you're married, if you have a family, like you probably can't just decide, well, this is my hour of silence and solitude. And when your husband walks in the room and you're like, this is my silent time, right? You should probably tell them that you're not going to, you don't want anyone to talk to you. So think, who do you have to involve? Roommates, whatever that looks like for you. Consider your season of life. 
right? The reason that we have kind of these like big shared rules of life is we realize it's going to look different for everyone. Do you realize that Jesus invited the 12 disciples to come and be a part of his, of his life and to follow him, but they all looked so different. They were all so different. Some of you, you might have no problem shutting your brain off and just like sitting with the Lord. My brain never turns off, so that's a struggle. It's going to look different, right? If you have kids, it's going to look different. If you have a bunch of roommates, what is that going to look like for you in your season? Um, we talk about keeping a healthy balance of upstream and downstream practices. So a healthy balance of looking at your life and saying, what are things that are going to be upstream, what are going to be a little harder for me to do? But what are going to be those downstream things where I can just get back and I'm just going like, to float down that river? And it's just easy. Like these practices are so easy for me. Have a balance of that. Um, and then remember, above all else, that like a healthy rule of life is going to be a working document. It's going to be a constantly going back and assessing and saying, okay, Lord, what's going well? Where, where do I need to, to, to rethink this and to go back? So this is kind of a lot, and we're going to be talking about this for the next couple weeks. Um, but this is a big vision piece that we feel like the Lord is inviting us into, is to enter into this shared rule of life. So that uh, when we meet in communities, we know that, hey, we're at least all trying to, to start our morning with the Lord. So you can come up and you can ask me, like, how are those breaks throughout your day with Jesus, right? How, how many is the day of gratitude? Have you seen changes? Like, have you seen your heart start to change in your mind, in your thoughts? Um, so with that, I'm just going to close in prayer today. And Pastor Denise is going to come up with a few other things for just kind of this next season that we wanted to share with. But... I just want to ask you guys what I'll take this. I think you to just pray this week, right? The response to today is looking over this and praying and saying, God, like, what is it that you're inviting me to start with? And we're going to have tomorrow um, up on the website some more resources. And I think there's a resource slide. Okay, so right there, so if you guys want to take a picture of that or write some of that down. Um, these are different things that have been resources. A lot, again, a lot of churches have rules of life. And so we're not the first to do this, but practicingtheway.org is where a lot of um, kind of this stuff came from. And so you guys can look there. They have a really great framework, as well as some books that also talk about a rule of life, which is emotionally healthy spirituality, sacred rhythms, and the deeply formed life. And so those are some resources if you're like, I'm curious. I want to know more about this. Um, but I just encourage you, wherever you're at today, whether you're still exploring what relationship looks like with Jesus, I want to tell you that it is going to be the best thing that you ever do following him. Um, and we want to be people that continue to pass down these cultures, these patterns, these customs and beliefs that just draw people closer to the heart of God, where they feel so loved by him and so drawn to spend these moments with him. And so grab this on your way out, and I'm just going to pray for us today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the way that you have been going before us every step of this way of this journey of planting this church. God, that you knew every single one of us that was going to be in the room today hearing this message, hearing this invitation into this, this, this life of remaining with you, this life of remaining in you. Lord, and you tell us in your word that without vision, that the people, we perish. God, we, we need clarity. We need you to continue to reveal to us the next steps. And we thank you, Lord, 
for these next steps that you've given us, this Holy Spirit strategy to say, how are we just not going to think about creating the culture, but how is it going to start with us? And we know, God, that it is going to start by us radically centering our lives around spending time with you. About us radically centering our lives around doing the things that you did and practicing that. And Lord, I thank you that you don't call us to a life of perfection, that you invite us into practicing every single day what it looks like to remain in you, to be faithful to you, to be consistent to you, to show up and have a relationship with you. So God, I pray that you speak to all of us throughout this week on what it is that you are inviting us into so that we can continue together in this city, one person, one place at a time, starting with us, create your culture, Jesus. Yes, God, in your name. Amen.